Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm just lovely, thank you. How are oh, you? Oh, I'm very good. Yeah. I really like the weather. I really like oh. the time. I really, we are right at the end of October. It's happy days. I still love it. Halloween is just a couple days away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I have a question for you. Yes. Do you, Jason Phineas Fryer? <laughs> My parents hated me. <laughs> Do you believeth in ghosts? Yes. What? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. So I will present the theological argument for my belief in ghosts, and then I have a ghost story. Oh. My theological. Well, well planned. Yeah. My, yeah totally. Yeah. I wrote this down months ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> my theological argument I borrow from my good friend Ed Soder, who we need to have on this podcast. Yeah, we totally do. Uh, he has rejected us many times. No, he's, no, just, he's never that's around on Fridays. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to continue with my uh, my. I really am trying to build up a feud between a feud, us and the yeah. other podcast, but it hasn't. It's happened not yet. there. Yeah. yeah, that's because no one listens to the other podcast. Uh, I do. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. A, just be in the, the as your other listener for that. Yeah. Okay. So so <laughs> story in the Bible. Uh, Jesus is is done feeding the five thousand. He's dispersing the crowd. Yeah. Save time. Sends the disciples across the 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 lake. Yeah. Uh, in their boat said i'll catch up with you later yeah little did they know he would catch up with them later by walking on water what yeah i did not know that yes i should probably read the bible oh wait no this isn't where it happens there they think he's a ghost yeah it's later in john that the 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 specific exchange happens that i that i it's another time he's walking on water well it's another time they think he's a ghost yeah i think it's after the resurrection he shows up in the room and they're like oh it's a ghost and he says not Oh, don't be silly. You idiots. There is no such thing yeah. as ghosts. He says, if I were Don't they say a, it's a ghost? <laughs> yeah. And then Shaggy and Scooby yeah. make a sandwich. <laughs> <that's> their, yeah. <laughs> they shrink it down and yeah. shove it in their face. <laughs> but and he they says, go, if I were a ghost, this would not be true of me. You couldn't touch me. or Not there are no ghosts, but if... If and I this is post-resurrection ghost. when he poofed into the room, right. very ghost-like. Right. He and they say, a ghost and he says... No, no. If I was a ghost... Yeah. If I was one of those things that do exist, right. I would look like this. Right. But I'm not one of those things that do exist. Right. And so a story. Yeah. I uh, started working at Westminster first as an intern uh, many, many years ago. Yeah. And we have we we had a custodian on staff named Carlos who was the biggest tall tale teller ever. Like he had the yeah. fish stories. The fish was fifteen feet tall, along or whatever. Yep. Uh, so I knew Carlos coming into it, and then I a couple years passed. He has after, a, a, a penchant for uh, tall tales. Yes. Yeah. Uh, embellishment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So finish the internship. Couple years go by. Then I come back full time. And on my first week back, Carlos comes and says, you know, this church is haunted, right? Nice. This is an older building. Yeah. This church. This is very, yeah. It, it, uh, depending on what part you're in at any given time, <laughs> it could be back to the 1940s. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Classic time for ghosts. Right. Well, yeah. Carlos tells me the story of a bride left at the altar that in the sanctuary, late at night, no one's here. You can occasionally see a woman pacing the 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 chancel oh it's like okay so it's like a reverse runaway bride situation runaway groom she yeah right she's she's stuck here uh uh, so it's carlos it's tall did she die 
We never really got the story like, on this. Is, like the groom didn't show up, so she died out of sadness. Uh, yeah, that who, who okay. knows? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, which even that kind of pointed to maybe some legitimacy that there was no backstory. It was just there's it's this just woman. Just a ghost. Yeah. It's just a bride. It's, were you in the haunted mansion in the attic in the haunted mansion? Because there was a bride ghost there too. <laughs> no. no okay. 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 Uh, so whatever. It's Carlos. It's a tall tale. It's yeah. a story. Whatever. My very first youth group night comes a couple weeks later. And we are, it's a Wednesday night. I just realized that uh, we have the Haunted Mansion pl- music playing right now. So yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. The fitting. We have we are the only people at the church. Uh, we started like towards the end of summer, so like other things hadn't quite kicked up yet. Yeah, it's just us, just the youth group. Yeah, and we are outside. How playing. many? How many? Back souls? then, back then maybe like twenty. Okay, something like that. Uh, we're outside playing. Corroborating evidence. Right. Yeah, not like two or three. Well, cool. maybe. Wait, well. Right. Okay. So we're out in the in the in the parking lot playing frisbee, and one yeah. of the kids says, "I need to go to the bathroom." Yeah, and I was like, yeah, go ahead in. So he goes in, uses the bathroom, and he comes back out, and he says, "And mind you, this is a Wednesday." Yeah, and he has not spoken to Carlos. Oh, he says, "Who's getting married today?" Oh, and I went, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "There's a woman pacing outside the sanctuary oh, in a wedding dress." Oh, and, I love it! I love it! And I went. Uh, I, I don't know. So I have never seen. We named the ghost Jessica. Yeah, uh, Jessica the bride. Why Jessica? I don't know. It yeah. was just something we came up with. Uh, we needed a name or something. The least ghostly name you could come up with. It should yeah. be like Ethel or Beatrice. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. But Jessica. Constance. Yeah. Uh, so Jessica is a lure in youth ministry for many years. Here's the coda to the story that yeah. I love. It's one of my proudest moments in youth ministry. Uh, every year we do this lock-in called Catacombs in or around Halloween. Oh, very ghastly. Ghostly, yeah. yeah. All the lights are off in the building. It's all night long. Essentially hide-and-seek. Yeah. Um, like release a little. Right. Did you so, ever play release? Yeah, I have. That's the, a good game. Best youth group. Game. Yeah. Okay. So we had a volunteer one year who showed up, and she had never been seen at any... She was a friend of a friend. Uh, who was, was she in, a ghost? No. Oh, okay. But the kids had... My youth group had never met her before. And we went to a pawn shop and got a wedding gown. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And zombie makeup. And we kept her hidden. You have a lot of costume stories of scaring your kids. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. Uh, And then we we went literally all out. We got uh, spotlights. Oh, man. And a fog machine. And all the kids know about Lady Jessica. Right. Jessica is at this point like urban legend at Westminster. I've now gone Dune with the Lady Jessica to the. (laughs) The zero people who know what I'm talking about. It's the main character in Dune, Lady yeah. Jessica. Okay. So at a predetermined time, like a half hour into the lock-in yeah. in the sanctuary, the fog rolls in. Oh, no. And this woman that no one has ever seen oh. before. My lasting memory of this story is a, a kid in our youth group from back then who was like eight feet tall, like big burly dude. Is this the same Sasquatch kid? It's the exact oh, same Sasquatch this poor kid. kid. Yeah, this is twice we got him, uh, but he is running through the church Take screaming. That. Love of Christ, kid. Don't yeah. touch me. Don't touch oh. me. Don't touch me. So I'm Jay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, I, in terms of whether I believe in ghosts or not, mm-hmm. um, the question is no? Yeah. That's, uh, I don't see a theological reason for ghosts like it doesn't make any sense right in terms um, of the the why post-life why would there be ghosts um i also like the the general understanding that all ghosts seem to come from victorian england <laughs> um 
there are no ghosts, uh, less so ghosts from like 1986. Right. Um, but I, the concept of ghosts in terms of a narrative spookiness, I am a big fan of. Yeah. And the idea of a ghost bride at the altar is like having been in old churches at night, um, I can really work myself into a delightful frenzy of like, what if there's ghosts here? And also old buildings have uh, movement to them. Mm-hmm. Like they actually do move and yeah. creak and stuff. It's just like being old. They're still kind of settling. And so if you're in an old, especially like an old wooden building that's giant, that's um, 80, oh, over 80 years old. It's going to make some sounds. Uh, it's going to move at night. Yeah. And that if you let your imagination go just a little bit, like I do, like I'm walking a dog with a long leash. I'll let it go and I'll creep myself out in a way that I'm still safe. So that's the time when I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think uh, Ghost Real, but uh, maybe. Uh, the best. So I used to watch Ghost Hunters yeah. on sci fi. Oh, man. Boy, that's the best way to not believe in ghosts, though, because they never quite want it. Yeah, well. The, but they do see stuff you're like, huh? Yeah. yeah. The, the, th- the theory they posit that makes the most sense to me is the idea of a residual haunting. Yeah. Their thought is, and again, theologically, you can't really make sense of this, but this makes more sense than like yeah. a spirit or something. Some, some bad energy happened here. Well, not even bad energy. Like, so like some energy. Happened. They would explain the bride at the altar at Westminster as that was such a profound impact emotional experience that something about the energy of the experience. Okay. So it's not like the stayed. woman's still there, but right. the, the motion. The emotion of that, right, is yeah, yeah. somehow manifesting in a way that we can see it. Yeah. Um. And again, that there are some holes to poke in that, but that makes sort of kind of sense to yeah. me. That I like, would, so we were um, looking for houses. Um, one of the times we moved, uh, it, was, it was in North Carolina. We so the first time we're trying to buy a house, we we're looking for houses in a very specific price range, which is not high, but to have a big as big a house <laughs> as we can get with not very much money. Yeah. Uh. So we were very limited in terms of what we could find. And one of the houses we went into was like an old, like a prefab kind of house that was probably five years old in one of those weird, like cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac neighborhoods where it's not a cul-de-sac, but every right. weird new ways that communities are made where it's like real twisty turnies, all the houses look the same. So there was something about this house that was now in our price range. We couldn't figure it out. We went in this house and <laughs> something felt wrong. Hmm. And we see in the front window, there's a bullet hole. That is probably going from the inside out. Hey. Now, this is not in a community where there would be normal holes, so that's just weird. Yeah. And then, as we're looking around the house, in the upstairs bathroom, there is not a full-on hole punched into it, but someone punched the door from the outside. And before we saw either of those things, yeah, something, something about this wrong. house felt off. Oh. Now, I don't think a murder happened in that house, but definitely some bad energy yeah happened in the house so that to me the residual kind of like something really intensely emotional happened here and some kind of funk like an old fart has stayed yeah here and it's lingering and it'll probably go away at some point but it's it's here yeah now it was certainly from a psychological standpoint that whatever weirdness I felt was confirmed by those two things and so that right. I yeah, the, the confirmation bias was like oh yes clearly something bad has happened here um, there were other houses that we went in and was like, I just didn't like it right away. I didn't see punch right. punches in the wall and bullet holes that made me be like, that's why. Um, but there's certainly a thing there. I also, I'm more interested 
the, the the explanation I can get is the the sense of thin places. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard that? Yeah, thin, thin spaces. Very Celtic. Yeah. Idea. So it's a, yeah, it's Celtic Christianity. I mean, uh, whether or not there was yeah. some paganism in there too, but it's also Christianity that works with that too. It's the sense that there are certain places, thin spaces in our world. Yeah. Where the 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 temporal plane that we live on and the spiritual plane are the place is thinner between yep. those two. Uh, that they are too, the barrier yes, between them. Yeah, that yeah. they are. It's not like a wall. It's like a veil, yep. almost like the weirdness in Harry Potter Five. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of that, yeah, so, uh, there's a veil that happens. That's confusing for like 50 pages. Like, oh, I guess that was real. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. Um, so this sense that, uh, and and it it speaks to this notion that um, the the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is near. This sense that heaven is not somewhere else; heaven is here on right. earth. That, and which is biblical, not just a theological perspective. Like this is what the Bible says: is yeah. that the future is not heaven is elsewhere. The future is God restores heaven and earth. Heaven and earth collide, and they now are one. Yep. And so the and then there is no time. So the concept of that is that ghosts are perhaps now this wouldn't speak to malevolent ghosts, evil ghosts that are trying to hurt you, right? But a spiritual sense is that you may be in a place that you can sense that future reality that is present in terms of a non-linear time where there is no time that there is so the the glimpses of future sense and so when you get to a place where it feels like this is something about this space feels holy like uh, Stonehenge, I haven't been there, but there's something about that. The, the Glen there just feels like, oh, like something yeah. about this. Something's, is something's and I've been at places in nature where it felt like I felt closer to God. Yep. I've been at places like cathedrals and stuff where I felt closer to God. Like just spiritual places that are not just man-made, but are not exclusively natural also at the same time. Um, and that to me is is perhaps the most logical and theological explanation yeah. of something like ghosts that there is this temporal plane or this, this spiritual plane that it's glimpses of a reality that has already, that already exists in the sense of outside of time and in this place where we already are, but, uh, doesn't linearly exist yet. So it's almost like time travel, but it's like, it's, it's shadows of things yet to come. Yep. Yeah. Believe it or not, that's not the topic of today. No, no, no. But the moral of the intro is, don't come to a lock-in with Jay unless you're prepared <laughs> to be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. So I'm the jerk. And I'm Tyler. And this I'm is also a jerk. Roughing the pastor. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, if we are doing this right, yeah, 
And if you're listening to this, if you're one of those like fresh out the box people, Rachel uh-huh. Jones, uh, and you're listening to this on like right before you go to bed on a Monday night. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're coming at you. This is October 28th or yep. depending on how quickly you edit October 29th uh, <laughs> on that Tuesday that, you, that you're you're listening to this. Uh, so Halloween is just a few days away. Right. But we have neglected to mention that October 31st is not just Halloween. It's something else. Right. Right. So October 31st is a date famous in the church where Martin Luther, uh, upset with several practices of the Catholic Church, which we can get into, nails 95 theses to the wall. Which is the plural of thesis. Right. He has 95 beefs with the church. Yep. And he, he, he writes them all down and nails them to the door, which is not uncommon then. It's like a bulletin yeah. board. But yeah. We'll unpack that in just a second. Right. However, my friend, the intern at my church, uh, was convinced when he first heard that story that Martin Luther nailed 95 feces. Hey. So that my... <laughs> That's a lot of work just preparing for that. That's Correct. Like, that's like Samson tying all those all those foxes together by the tail <laughs> before he sets them on fire. In a class at Waynesburg College. Oh no! <laughs> defended far beyond logic and reason oh. the idea that Martin Luther took ninety five craps and saved them and saved them and then nailed them to a church door. Yeah, yeah. Just even that. I mean, there's but, so again, many flaws of logic in that. <laughs> The right. concept of someone, I mean, I think after like 10, yeah. you kind of made your point. Right. And also they're going to fall apart. Like there's some care. And, so, and also if you made it to 95, why not just go to 100? Yeah. You know, at Maybe that point, he was shooting for 100 and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I got I'm nothing out. This is it. It's <laughs> all I can do. It's all I got. <laughs> no, How dysentery. long would you have to t- save? Yeah. 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 I, it's, I mean, and also to put it into perspective, one time uh, at a like Halloween celebration that we had at my church, uh, I taped, uh, it was actually the anniversary of this. It was just a few years ago. The anniversary of Martin Luther King yeah. is 500 500 years. something. Uh, I, I taped 95 Reese's to the church door. <laughs> and keeping in, like, the for the joke to make sense, I had to embrace the wrong pronunciation of Reese's. Yeah. So it wasn't 95 Reese's. It was 95 Reese's, Reese's. for those who pronounce it wrong. And it drives me crazy. Uh, because I thought it was funny. And that took forever. Yeah, that's a that's an ordeal. I was taping them up to the door. <laughs> And boy, it took it took so long. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to do that with with dried up poop. I like to imagine that, like, as you got to it, like it, somewhere around the 30s, every one you put up, one would fall down. Um, not very many, because I got a pretty good system going on, but I did lose some. And there was a point where I was like, at 60, I was like, I could just stop now, but I would know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to go with 95. Go and it way. was and it was all about the picture and all about me thinking that I'm hilarious because 95 freezes to the door was uh, hilarious. Yeah. So so cue the historian Tyler music. Oh, Tell us. Hang on. I, I can step away for a second. Yeah. And make some room for it. Um, move our chairs around here in our very cushy Studio South today. We're coming to you from yes, Studio South. Studio South. Uh, hello. I am uh, Tyler, history major, uh, historian lowercase h, because I, didn't, <laughs> I have a bachelor's in history, and that's about it. Yep. Uh, but you're the closest thing we got. So tell us about Martin true. Luther. I like that the, uh, Tyler, the historian, has no different voice. No, he's just, just has his own theme music. <laughs> so uh, Martin Luther, the, to put it into some, some helpful context, Martin Luther is a... Uh, a monk at this point. Yes. Monk in the Catholic Church. He was he he grew up a soft child. 
And uh, and to, to put that into perspective, he was a soft child who was very uh, protected from things. And one time he was walking and he was in a thunderstorm. And he was so terrified in this thunderstorm that he said, oh, God, please help me. I'm, if you do help me, he, he threw himself in a ditch, <laughs> said, if I don't die in this thunderstorm, being the soft, uncultured boy that I am, uh, I will become a monk. I am terrified of the historians to come that will speak about Jason Fryer and say, he was a soft boy. Yeah. Well, just, that thing is, I mean, maybe he's in the middle of a field or something, yeah. but this is the origin story of Martin Luther. God, save me a from this thunderstorm. spider, it ain't. Yeah. yeah. And I will become a monk. And against all odds, Martin Luther lives through, somehow lives through this thunderstorm. God has saved him. Yeah. And then he, true to his word, becomes a monk. Yep. So he becomes a monk in the um, in the Catholic Church, which at that point was just known as the Church. The Church. Actually, it's yeah. still known as the Catholic Church because there was this schism 500 Orthodox. years before. So yeah. there's Orthodox Church and Catholic Church. But to most people, it's just the Church. Yep. So he becomes a monk in the Church um, and uh, lives into it for a while, loves it, um, and, but starts to notice some problems with the Church. Mm. And um, some problems where it's like, I don't, like and it, it happened because he read the Bible. So it, the more he read the that Bible, gets you every time. the more he starts to realize, I don't know that we're doing what we're supposed I, to be doing. I thought the uh, Pope was infallible, though. How could yeah, anything yeah. the church do be yeah. wrong? Well, and he was reading the Bible, which was not lining up with the Pope. Mm. Also, at Trouble. this point, we're coming out of the Dark Ages. And to yes. say that it was called the Dark Ages because there was not a whole lot written down. Hmm. So it wasn't that it was dark and they didn't have lights. They also didn't have lights for another uh, 500 Long years. Long yeah. time, yeah. Um, but they didn't have uh, a lot of technological advancement, and they didn't have a lot of history about what was happening. So for about 500 years, mm-hmm. there was not a whole lot written down, and not a whole lot of huge technological advancement. People had lived in this feudal system, which was pretty insular and allowed them to not really think. Right. We're coming out of this era. So, so Martin Luther is not the beginning of that. Martin Luther is kind of the, the mid Revel, re, realization of that right and uh and it's this idea of humanism this idea of like to the sources like read about stuff and learn uh let's let's use logic let's use our brains is a really good thing and actually humanism becomes a very 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 christian idea yes right now humanism is kind of talked about as the opposite uh, it's like the antithesis of, of religion which shows how far afield we have gotten in terms of I was going to say, whatever... The what, war on science and the war on education yeah. with religion. Yeah. Whatever caused us to start thinking, we should try that again. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, go back so to So religion that. and education and science were always yoked until about the last 100 years. Uh, and really even the last 50 years in America. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So uh, Martin Luther is reading the Bible and starts to say, like, eh, I don't know if we should do this stuff. Like, maybe we're doing some stuff wrong. And one of the biggest things that was kind of the turning point was this thing called plenary indulgence. Yes. An indulgence, which was... That uh, in the Catholic faith, if you... Wait, wait, before you describe it, n- no mob boss could come up with a scheme... That's better than this. That's better than this. And this is not to to uh, disparage current-day Catholics. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. They, they've long since moved past these practices. Oh, yes, yes. But back in the day, this is just comical to me. So the idea was that... Now, purgatory was a thing that was kind of come up with by the Catholic Church... Because the Catholic Church, at, especially at this point, was very works-based. That yes. righteousness was what got you into heaven. You had to be good enough to get into heaven. We, a lot of us still have that concept, that idea. We it is very non-biblical. It. Right. Uh, it, and it's very kind of anti-Christ in that sense because Christ comes along and says, you can't do it, so I'll do it for you. And then we still say, but I'm going to try to do it, and I really should be able to do it. And look, I did it. Thank you and for your assistance, but so, I'm good here. Exactly. Yeah. So in order to uh, fit with this idea of... Um, 
a works-based system that you have to be good enough to get into heaven. Uh, you have to have, uh, it's the same way that the PG 13 rating comes into play. So there's an R rating was like, no for kids. And a PG is like, kids are okay. And then there's some movies like Raiders of the, or, uh, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and Gremlins, which are the two movies that were actually the reason why the PG 13 came about. They said, ah, oh, they're not bad enough for adults, but really kids shouldn't watch these. Yeah. And so they, you come up with something in the middle. There's some people who are good enough to get into heaven and some people who are clearly bad enough that they need to go to hell. But what about those people who are like almost good enough? And the Catholic Church is like, I know, purgatory. Right. It's the waiting room for heaven. Make, so, and again, logically, yeah. if that's the system you follow, that yeah. makes sense. Purgatory makes total sense. There is zero room in the Bible for purgatory. Right. It's completely a dogmatic made up thing by the church. Right. Now, there are some things that maybe could allude to this idea, this liminal place in between. But it's still all of that is not very biblical right. and even the idea of heaven being a other place and hell being a place like those are not really yeah, biblical right either. we'll talk about it in a whole other thing <laughs> hell is not really in the bible very much but uh, there's controversial <laughs> statement there you go <laughs> boom and we're gonna walk away from that uh rob bell love wins here we go okay great <laughs> uh the heretic rob bell we the haven't talked heretic. about him in a very know, long time uh uh so uh the, the idea of a plenary indulgence is that if you give enough money to the church, you get this get out of jail free card that gets you out of purgatory straight into heaven. And you can also use it for previously dead people, relatives right. that you like, my aunt was not good enough. And he's like, well, just give money to the church. And here's a card that counts for her too. Right. So it's post-mortem as well. Yeah. Luther says, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> okay. That plus 94 other things are ways in which we have steered away from the church. Yeah. So he writes down a list of 95 things and nails it to the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, Wittenberg. In Germany. In Germany, which is not this rebellious act. We act like it's a big deal, nailing something to the church. If you did that right now, you'd get arrested for a hate crime. Right. Um, but right. back then, the door of the church. Yeah, because the church is the center of the town. Right. And the door of the church is like a bulletin board. So if you want everybody to see something, you post it on the door of the church. That's what he did. The controversial thing is that he, what would always often happen is that priests and monks and and other people, uh, other religious people would post theological questions Uh to, for debate, but they would write it in Latin because that's the language of the church. And if you're not in the church, you can't read Latin. This is a very illiterate time. Martin Luther wrote his 95 Theses in German. Yes. The lingua franca, the language, language of the people. people. And that meant everybody could read it. So that's like having a public, like if you have a problem with a friend and you post it on Facebook and yeah. argue it out there or Where Twitter. Everyone like that, can see that's it. That's yeah. when it becomes a real problem. And so people were like, no, 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 no. And it became a huge thing. But it this becomes the start now, it wasn't the start. There were other things that were happening in this. Right. This is, becomes kind of the point at which we date the beginning of the Reformation. And so we call this Reformation Day within the... It's not It's not quite that big of a holiday in the Catholic Church, but in the Protestant Church, it's pretty <laughs> for, big. For obvious reasons. <laughs> yep, yep. But same that, way, same well, way why, why the British don't celebrate the 4th of July. Right, right. Hold on to thing. the Catholics, though, because they play a role in this. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, so, yeah. the... Um, so we October thirty first is Reformation Day, and mm-hmm. so within the Protestant churches, a lot of churches may celebrate this thing called Reformation Sunday, which is the closest Sunday to the thirty first. Right. Um, and so as we are drawing near to October thirty first, it is not only Halloween, but it is also Reformation Sunday. Yes, indeed. And so we Protestants often, and and that has in the same way that we've talked about before that like All Hallows Day or all. Like a fall festival becomes a substitute for Halloween. A lot of Protestants will do Reformation Sunday or Reformation celebration as a substitute for Halloween. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 So 
one other thing that's interesting about all this. So Martin Luther wants all these changes to happen. And uh, the Catholic Church says, no. And so they get real mad at Martin Luther because it starts all this thing. Another thing that happens at the same time is the all these things come together. The Renaissance is starting to happen yep. at this time, too, because this is in the 1500s. Um, oh, there's so much. Yeah, everything is coalescing right at the right time. Yeah. Like, it's not Martin Luther was the only person who had these thoughts. It was just he was the right guy at the right time, at the right place, in the right era. Yep. And also the printing press is around. Yep. Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg from um, the the police academy movies yeah uh he uh he <laughs> creates a printing press he's a time traveler yes and uh and from this you can print the bible so now up to this point people didn't have the bible the bible was just something that the priest had that they read to you yeah. and they said this is what this book that you can't read and you're not allowed to touch tells you yep. and so it allowed for this abuse of power is that really what it says yeah trust believe me, me. Yeah. he's like let me look at that well you can look at it but you can't read it so right. it's i mean it's very much like the early uh, the gold tablets of the Book of Mormon kind of thing. Like, it's yeah. like, well, only I can see what this says. Yep. Uh, and so it obviously was a terrible opportunity for the abuse of power. Yes. And so one of the things that Martin Luther said is that we should have a Bible in German. Yeah. Like, we should let people read this. And the pushback was that, well, if people could read the Bible, then they'll just make all kinds of crazy interpretations. Which is not untrue. It's, like, it's like, that is part accurate. of the current reality that we live in. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, that is one of the problems of it. But right. the benefits far outweigh that in that when people can read the Bible, they can actually understand what God is trying to tell us right. about God. Well, they can hold their leaders accountable, too. Exactly. Um, exactly. And knowing that we should, that being able to read the Bible and spending time to really study the Bible are two different things. And so the people who've kind of dedicated their life to, to study it, uh, not that they know everything, but we should put some kind of credence into authentic study and critique of the Bible. Yeah. Because it helps us to understand ways in which the Bible is very clearly saying something that we can culturally understand now. And other times that the Bible is saying something that may mean something to us now, but if we understand the context in which it's written and the language in which it's written, that it actually is a little different. Yeah. Like the Second uh, Timothy there's a great example of that where it says women shouldn't talk in the church. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, in reality, that's not what Paul is trying to say. But if we just read it in the simplest translation of it, yeah. that's what it means. That's what it looks like. We and, we did an episode a while back on the on the Bible yeah. and interpretation questions, yep, yep, yep. and that's yeah. that, refer to that. Yeah, women are should be and are allowed to and always were part of the leaders in the church. The Bible does not say that they shouldn't. Correct. Uh, yeah, but, but so so Luther really starts this. Uh, empowering the people um, and pushing back on the abuses of power yeah. that the church was capable of because they kept the book at such an arm's length. Yeah. Um, and this is happening also while other people are doing this as well. So there's there's this right. guy, Martin Busser. There's this guy, Zwingli, from Sweden, who are who are big names in this. Yeah. A generation a little late. So Luther initially not trying to start a new church. Right. He is just trying to reform the right. church. And the, so you get this word reformation, which is what it's usually called which is a very important thing, which is trying to fix the church. Yeah. Reform is let's fix what we have. Yeah. And he's all on board with that until one day when the Catholic Church puts out a hit on him yeah. and says, Again, you are now the mob. excommunicated <laughs> and we want to kill you. Yeah. And there was something about that that made Martin Luther think, maybe we can't reform this church. Maybe we should probably just start a new one. Maybe yeah. we're a bit too far yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he becomes a Protestant, a protestant. Yep. So I am now against. To protest is to be against something. I am now against the current church. Right. I'm not trying to reform the current church. And you get people like John Calvin who comes around. He's like half a generation later. Yeah. So Martin Luther's still around, and he comes in, 
and he uh, they never kind of intersect. They never, but he really likes what Martin Luther has written, but he also is writing some other stuff. And even John Calvin is just trying to reform the church. He's not trying to start a new church. Right. John Calvin is where we get the reformed tradition, which is right. what Presbyterians are. And the reformed tradition has a credo that's just the church reformed, always reforming according to the word of God, meaning that we're constantly trying to get better. We're never quite there. Yeah. So we're always trying to get better at being the church. Yeah. The, the best analogy I heard for this, um, as a concept was so in 1984 apple puts out the macintosh computer yes and it costs two thousand dollars yeah uh and it has like you know not even a gig of ram and like yeah. no internet connection less than but, the worst phone we have right now right but in 1984 it's, it's the amazing. best oh, yeah. thing yeah. available yep um uh, and then the speaker on stage at the conference that I, I got this analogy from pulls out at the time the brand new macbook air and he said, this is a $2,000 computer yeah. with no moving parts, yeah. with a high-definition screen. with a." And he said, the only way you get from the Macintosh of 1984 to the MacBook Air of whatever year that was, yeah. he put on the screen all the tiny, insignificant-seeming software yeah. updates. Yeah. We fixed this bug. We, we tied this yeah. together. We, and then you know, various hardware updates, too. Like, right, little, yeah, you have to have the Lisa in there, right, which is a failure, but sets the yeah. stage for yeah. All of that comes together in a way, so you can't. You can. There's two things you can't do. One is you can't jump right from the 1984 computer to the MacBook Air. Like yeah. you, there's a process in between. But the other thing they didn't do is Apple did not produce the best computer of its time and go, we hey, did, we it. nailed it. Yeah. Uh, let's There's just keep never a point that. in which you nail it, right. and that's, in a sense, that's one of the things that that the church has really struggled with, is that we're constantly like, we got it, yeah, and no. we're we're almost there, yeah. Like we'll get to like, and I think that the church in America right now is split into largely split into two camps. The one camp that's like, we're almost there, like within our generation or our kids' generation, we'll be there. Whether or not we want to actually say that out loud, we do yeah, kind of we live as though we're like we're really cl- we're better than anyone has ever been. And we're almost there. Yep. And then there's the other half that says, we nailed it 50 years ago. Yeah. Let's we, go back. We just got to get back to that. We kind of, we we had it and we passed it. And if we could just as a culture and as everybody else, just turn back the clocks to the 1950s. Which is which is a, an argument that exists in no other space. To keep with the nerdy technology, I still think the iPhone 4 was the best iPhone they ever made. It was a pretty great one. But there is no part of me that would trade in my mm-hmm. iPhone 10 right now mm-hmm. for an iPhone 4. Oh yeah. Like you can't why would you do that? It was at the time the best. It was it was pretty great that they came up with and and I don't think they've done one since that was like that level of good. I think we still have an iPhone 4 in our house that like we have just bricked and turned into a game phone yeah, right. like for for Jedi and I think it still runs. It's it still, still runs good. great. The it's battery's not awesome, but right. it's, it lasts for an hour, which is all that he needs it. But that would not be your daily driver phone, right? No, so like this idea no. like it was so good back then. Can't we just go back? Yeah. Is a really flawed thought almost anywhere everything, else. Yeah. But we apply it to church and we apply it to politics. And it, to it, our it. lives kind of. We're like, mm-hmm. I life was so great in high school. If only I could go back to that. But no, no it wasn't. Yeah. No, it <laughs> also, wasn't. no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No matter how great your high school was, it wasn't it wasn't what you want the rest of your life to be. Right. Like we have other problems now that are more ex- like uh, deeper. I'm trying not to use words existential. Uh, that are that are more profound. Yeah. But there are things that are way better 
mm-hmm. about and sometimes it's being aware of some things. I after this podcast is over, will probably go to Chipotle and spend my own money on food, and I couldn't do that in high school. Yeah. I didn't have my own oh, money, yeah, so, yeah. so and you would have to ask permission, right, to do something. I call you no, ask permission I, I call no man, Mister. <laughs> now you know, like that's I'm just, <clears throat> but but yeah, the the drive to go backwards is no good. Yeah. Um, and so part of what we were thinking about this whole thing is that we, as non-Catholic Christians, right. have a main identity, which is called Protestants. Mm-hmm. And we have we have kind of, and this is, and if you're a Catholic Christian too, this is not an anti-Catholic thing. Like this, well, and by, yeah. the, by the way, I did want to come back to that because there's a, they call it, I think it's unfortunately named, historians can argue with me, the Counter-Reformation. Yeah. That Luther comes along and does these 95 which theses. Which doesn't take... The way, so that's the Council of Trent comes in the Counter Reformation, right? And it doesn't take until the 1950s, which I get to that, right, right, right. Yeah. But there's a movement. The Catholic Church eventually, slowly, but eventually, the Counter Reformation is basically like the the it's it's Best Buy and like Sam, like Tower Records, all that stuff, like trying to combat Napster. Yeah, and so I'm like <laughs> we'll do it this way, but you still have to do this, right? And like movie theaters trying to go against streaming, like right. doesn't really work. But at least there is. There is, and again, slow and flawed as it is, there is a move of, oh, shoot, maybe we do have to change. Yeah. Uh, maybe we do have to adjust here and there yeah. and fix some things. So there are no more the, indulgences. Yeah, they addressed it a little bit, but it wasn't until the 1950s, mm-hmm. 1952, yeah. uh, when there's a thing called, a, like, adorably titled Vatican II. Yeah. <laughs> The Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) The Empire Strikes Back is probably a better. uh, So Vatican II happens under Pope John, I think the first, or Pope John Paul, uh, this adorable old guy that everybody's like, this guy won't rock the boat. And he's like, I'm going to change everything. Like, no, what have we done? And uh, But he fixes all of the things, all of the 95 theses are finally fixed 450 years later by this adorable pope. And so the Catholic Church of 1955 is actually exactly what Martin Luther wanted. Yes. And it's really what the Lutheran church of Martin Luther looked like. Yeah. He wanted to be Catholic. Right. And you that's where you get this weird, so to get real deep, real quick, theologically, not real deep, but getting to the weeds a little bit theologically, there's a thing called transubstantiation, uh-huh. which is the Catholic idea of in the Eucharist, in the in communion, in the Lord's Supper, that the uh, the bread and wine literally becomes the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. To the point I had a Catholic friend that told me he was instructed in school to not chew the bread, yeah. to let it dissolve because otherwise it would start bleeding in your mouth. Oh my. That like, and this is why Catholic priests have to eat and drink all that is all left over. of it. Because you can't yeah. throw it out because it's the body of Christ. Right. And so Martin Luther loved that concept, mm-hmm. but also, again, in being a good humanist, could see Oh, this is still bread and it's still yeah. wine and it's still kind of, t- it doesn't taste like right. blood. I've tasted blood and I've also tasted human flesh because I'm a zombie. Okay. No, that's no, <laughs> right, not true. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but the idea that like, I know what skin is, I know what flesh on my right. arm is and it doesn't feel I like I did bread. in fact chew the bread and it did so not start bleeding his in my mouth. Yeah. kind of purgatory like logic around that is this thing called consubstantiation. So mm-hmm. yes, it does become the blood and body of Christ because it has to, because Jesus right. says, this is my body. He doesn't say this is like my body right. or, or this is kind of like blood. He says this is, and so it has to be exactly, it, it is It is still wine, but it is also blood. Right. And it is still body, but it's also, or it's still bread, but it's also body. Right. And so that's the Lutheran understanding of it, even still to this day. And then the non-Lutheran, so reformed Protestants, 
believe. Nope. It's no. just symbolic wine and or juice yeah. <laughs> and bread. And God is still present, but spiritually. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to, you don't have to be saying, I know my mind and my, that, that most of my senses, my touch, see and smell and, uh, taste can tell that this yeah. is not changed, but I'm telling myself it's changed. Like the, yeah. we, and again, I don't mean to mock Catholics or Lutherans in that sense, but no. that's, that's one of the, the turning points. And it's not a, if you do believe that, if you need it to be that, that there's something wrong with it, but no. that, that's one of the bigger divisions within the, the Protestant right. Reformation. Well, and that's, I think, one of the negative legacies of the Reformation in a way. Um, it's necessary, but it, it it's still kind of a bummer that as people keep reforming, they're, they find more and more places to stick a stake in the ground and say, you're either with us or yeah. you're not. And that's where it gets to. So what we were trying to say, this differentiation between the idea of a Reformation, yep. which is let's fix this thing, mm-hmm. and a protest a protest yeah. which is saying no right and we have become uh we have we use the word protestant we don't use the word as reformers right we should be the reformer christians yeah um but instead we say we're the protestant christians which means that we protested and we started something else yeah. and that's the the great word for that is schism yep schism which just means to fracture to to break off and yeah. to do something else we in the, uh, the american church love schism Yes. We love it. We don't talk about how we love it, but we are constantly, that's why there are, to say you are Presbyterian could mean say, eight different things. The irony of Presbyterians being the ones that have embraced the Reformed Yeah, we title. are the Reformed tradition. We are the most Protestant, mm-hmm. fractured, schismed And one of, the bi- one of the biggest schisms that we've had in recent memories and uh, as of 2012, mm-hmm. um, and this was happening leading up to, but over the, in 2012, the Presbyterian Church USA, PCUSA, of which we are members, mm-hmm. um, openly affirmed the ordination of practicing LGBT folks. Right. Um, and, and the marriage of them. Right. Uh, like that, that we openly endorsed gay marriage, openly endorsed ordination of practicing homosexuals. Ordination is really where it started. Yes. Yeah. Um, marriage came like. A year or yeah. two later. And uh, that is not to say openly required, which right. is what m- many people feared. And as a result of that, again, people had been leaving <laughs> prior to this leading up to it. But there, there are there is another uh, denomination that had formed over the ordination of women in the 1980s yep. called the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, EPC. And then there was a new denomination that formed largely out of the the and both of these denominations would to, to be fair to my friends in both of those denominations. Yeah. And I say, have plenty. We did not form because of that. Right. OK. But it's really, really kind of did. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's an odd timing for that. Yeah. Not, it, it's definitely the impetus for those things. Right. The the ECO, the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians, is one that certainly formed because of the PCUSA ordaining, yeah, and and affirming the marriage of LGBT folks. Which is funny because they call themselves ECO, and I always imagine hacky sack playing hippies. Yeah, yeah. But that's there are a lot of people who really push it. Like, no, it's Echo. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Like, all right. All right okay. You are okay. really. Uh-huh. You don't there. want. You don't want anything there. So there, but but I mean, they, so there are again, really, really faithful, great Christians in yeah. both of those denominations. So it's oh, not to say sure. that they are wrong, but when your denominational identity is formed around, or as a result of, or just happens to coincide mm-hmm. with this sense of a deviation to a point of it being heresy, right? To the point where you say you cannot believe this, right? And still be a Christian, which is effectively the reason to start a new denomination. Yeah, to say, I mean that that 
that the some of the Protestant Reformation said you cannot believe that you can buy your way into heaven and be preaching the gospel of Christ. So therefore, we need to we need to just start right. over. Right. And there are people who would say you cannot believe that uh, a man and a man or a woman and a woman can be truly wed and, and still be following the gospel of right. Jesus Christ, or that you can that a that a woman can lead can preach to men and women, or that a homosexual a practicing homosexual person can effectively lead and preach to right. uh, like that, that that is the point at which you stop being Christian. And so therefore we need to start a, yeah. new, a new denomination, which I have so many thoughts around that because I mean, even that, um, yeah, if that feels more to me and they, they, there are theological grounds for it. Yeah. There are biblical grounds for it. It almost feels to me like a split based on culture. Yeah. Um, because LGBTQ is really big in our culture right now yeah. in a way that, I don't think, and again, this is generalization, but I don't think the churches that left had a whole host of LGBTQ no. worshiping there anyway. And I anyway. think that that's why they were able to leave, like right. why it became a cultural issue because it wasn't personal. Right. And and I, I mean, I, I think that it's worth, uh, not to push back, but to, to qualify the statement that there are theological reasonings for that. Um, I would say that they're not largely consistent with the whole of the gospel. No, I don't yeah, hold yeah, those yeah. theological But, but I think it's yeah. important for, for you who are listening. And we're not saying, we again, this is not Jay and Tyler are right. Listen no, to us tell we you We are. But, no. <laughs> no, we're <laughs> wrong kidding, more I'm often kidding. than we're right. Uh, um, the, but that, uh, the, the sense that to say that there are theological reasons, there are also theological reasons why people said slavery was okay. Right, right. And it's based on half or like, Either either skewed and incomplete interpretations of the Bible, or just straight up wrong interpretations right. of the Bible. Well, and and, and I, the same could be made for embracing LGBT yeah. folks and for the the exclusion of LGBT yeah. folks. And what I would say on a personal level, this is just Tyler talking, not Tyler talking for everybody. The whole of the gospel is about inclusion. Yes, the, the what I see. The whole of the gospel is about community, including everyone. Mm-hmm. And so. The more we are including people, the more we are reflecting the gospel. And it's better to err on the side of inclusion and of loving people. And love does not mean without accountability, but love does mean not saying that you need to be right. to look like me or or believe a certain thing in order for God to love you. Yeah, I think I think I agree with all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's not just Tyler talking. That's both of us. But yeah, I didn't want to speak for you. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, you got it. Yeah, I said it first. I think what I was getting at, and I think this is true of the slavery question and of the LGBTQ question, that it feels like it is it is a theological argument but to them. But it feels like a theological argument that is grounded in the cultural movement. Absolutely. That's not, why it's so big in America. Right. And, no. and it's not that it, it isn't in another place. And it's really like it's it's deeply there in Africa and South America as well. Right. right. Um, partly by import. Yeah. Um, partly oh, because the American church is pushing it. Um, yeah. But and, I, and the cultural like imperialism of the church of the 18, 1700s. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Luther to me feels like, and again, I, I'd be open to pushback on this, but Martin Luther feels like, Hey, I have a theological problem because purgatory is not in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no, and that wasn't culturally driven. No. Uh, it kind of was in the indulgent sense, but like he was purely looking at scripture and saying, theologically, I don't see what you see. Well, and it was countercultural at that time because the culture was not questioning the Bible because right. people couldn't read it. The culture was just when the church tells us this is because they care for us. Yeah. We just need to trust the church. Yeah. It's big brother. It's the empire. Yeah. And, like, it, and why would they, why would they? hurt us yeah in in both and again this is me but in both slavery and lgbt and a lot of other issues but those are the two big like easy to find examples of this it feels like a cultural situation arose first yes 
and the church said, let's go find scripture to either confirm or deny that. And that's not, that's something different. And also that's, that speaks to something that we've talked about before. We'll talk about again, when the church and the empire become intertwined, Oh, it's a problem. then (laughs) when the culture of the empire is threatened, the church will protect the culture of the empire or when the culture of the empire is, uh, when it, when it's prudent, Mm-hmm. The church will not speak against it because it's so intertwined with the empire that the empire and the church are hard to differentiate. Yeah. And so a lot of times the church ends up supporting the the things that are conducive, uh, that, are, that are in the best interest of the empire because what's in the best interest of the empire is also in the best interest of the church because we have become bedfellows with the empire. Yeah. And that's not good. And so a lot of these cultural things that we struggle with, and again, this is not to say... Uh, we have figured it out and we're the best Christians. And, and, and again, we no. don't want to fall into that. We're just a couple, we're just a generation away from being the perfect church. Right nope. Now. We are always we terrible. Got a long yeah. way to go. And that's part of it too. That's, I was looking at my watch to make sure I had time for this big rant. I'm about to go for it for us. Part of it is to, I got al- my hands up like I'm in a roller coaster. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> part of it is to allow room for somebody to reform. Um, and I think that's missing in our culture too. So like, I can remember a time where I was not inclusive of LGBTQ people in my theology. Yeah. It was back when I was in middle school and high school. Yeah. And my understanding of Christianity at the time did not allow for that. Yeah. Over the years. And a large part of that, I, I was the same way and, uh, and, and benignly that right. way. Like it wasn't a driving force. It was just no. like, of course, Christians don't accept this because that's outside right. of the culture. And there's a lot you could say about it. And know, I also did not know anyone. Right. That was out at the time. Right. I certainly knew lots of people. Uh, <laughs> right. But I just, it was like an issue, like why would we ever deal with this? Like right. it's not, it's like poaching kangaroos. Right. Like I will never <laughs> encounter a, a kangaroo poacher. So of course we're against it like yeah. that. And so I'm, I'm never going to encounter a gay person. They just don't live anywhere where I live. And right. so clearly this is not a normal thing. No one is gay yeah. who is normal. <laughs> Because I don't know any, like, right. and that's the normal way and, in which we as humans struggle with things that right. are different. And that's, a, there's a whole lot tied up in that, you know, I, at least again, for me, I was younger. My, yeah. I hadn't quite fully formed a worldview yet. Yeah. I hadn't met anybody. And we're it, told it, what to believe. Right. And we want to be told what to believe. Right. Yeah. Right. But that view in my theology and my understanding of faith has evolved to the point where I'm with you, what you said a couple of minutes ago, I, total inclusion of yeah. everybody. The gospel yeah. is about everybody. Err on the side of love. What kind of drives me crazy about our culture now is the lack of want to give people space to get through that reformation process yes. on their own. Yes, yes, yes. That if I was a teenager now who held a anti-LGBTQ view, I would just be told to get where I am now yeah. of all-inclusive or get out of the way. And a huge part of that, too, if you're not, if you're a teenager now that is struggling with that, it's probably because the culture in your house yes. is struggling with it. Like, as a teenager, as much as we want to think that we're our own people and, and no. come up with our own thoughts, no, you're get, you've inherited most of those thoughts. Right. It takes a while, even into adulthood, to try to realize, like, do I actually believe this or did I just inherit this belief? Yeah. And it's it, you need to wrestle with all that stuff, including religion. Yeah. And not just like the way in which religion is expressed, but just religion full stop. Right. Yeah. If you just believe in God because someone told you one time, we believe in God in this house. Yeah. And you never question that. That's I'm a problem. Not sure, I'm not sure your faith yeah. is all that That's real. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that part of what we need to do as faithful Christians is give people guardrails and, and wide berths enough to come to those conclusions on their own. Yeah. Um, and that's hard because, yes, I'm all about justice and inclusivity and I, I want people there. 
but you, yeah, that's not a overnight no. switch. And for us, we had years, years, decades to yeah. come to terms with this. Yeah. And, and, it, and we still have decades to come to terms with whatever we haven't come to terms with yet. Right. And to recognize that we ha- we talked about this uh, last week with when we were talking about Halloween, mm-hmm. that sometimes the problem is when you have made when you've become enlightened on a certain issue or yeah. feel as though you have become enlightened uh, when there has been a breakthrough. You feel like, well, everyone should have had that breakthrough right. because I've had it. And this was a big thing for me. And the natural human tendency is to think that everyone is where you are or at least should be. Yeah. And all you need to do to get them there is to tell them yeah. what you now believe. And they should also then be able to see it. Yeah. And it's, I think we talked about Plato's allegory of the cave at one point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If not, Google it. I'm not going to explain it right now. But it's that thing. Like the people who are still stuck in the chairs, there's nothing wrong with them. Right. It's just they, it's, it's so much easier to just sit where you have always been. Mm-hmm. And you need opportunity to, to be there. And we can be the people on any level, on any progressive, uh, conservative, liberal, anything like that, traditional, like that. Um, the ability to have revelation and have a new understanding of something does not mean that everyone else should be able to have that on the same path as you. So we need grace yes. to let people. Now, there's a difference between grace in letting people understand and explore something and actively allowing people to be evil and right. hateful and hurtful. Right. And so we should push back against things that are harmful to others. Mm-hmm. And there's a sliding scale on what that means to yeah. people. Like what is harm, harmful is actual like hate speech or harmful is endorsing certain culture. Like is shopping at Chick-fil-A, is eating at Chick-fil-A harmful to others? Some people would say 100% yes. Yeah. And some people say absolutely not. It's chicken. Yeah. yeah. And delicious chicken at that. And so... <laughs> And then some people who are very conflicted about that. Yeah. I only tend to want Chick-fil-A on Sundays. And so the nice thing All is that I never, cho- have it. I never chop at Chick-fil-A is <laughs> less because of uh, theological and ideological reasons and more because I, I've, I've uh, reversed. It is, it, a, it is a cruel, it this yeah. is totally off subject, but it is a cruel twist of irony that I have to drive by Chick-fil-A after church every Sunday yeah. and say, yeah. oh, I want Now, to. I do personally have some issues with Chick-fil-A. So, yeah. like, I do struggle with it. I don't, when I, when I do see it on a Tuesday, I don't go there. Yeah. Uh, now, how how principled am I at that? Like, if someone got me Chick Fil A, I'd be delighted. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not. It's I, I'm pretty. I'm not real hard nosed about it. But yeah. that there. So it's not even a clear line of like where we let people. Uh, even we all have our own understanding of like what is harmful to those who have been who are being oppressed, those who have yeah. been rejected, uh, and that's that's hard too. Yeah, and I think that brings it to a, a really cool place to kind of tie this all up is is the word experience for me. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a problem with Chick-fil-A, and I'll tell you why. I have a problem with the views of Chick-fil-A, yeah, yeah. but the restaurant right down the street— To be clear, for those who don't really understand this, yeah, yeah. The, the owners of Chick-fil-A have actively given money to uh, conversion therapy things right. and to, to have actively— It's not just to, to they say, I think marriage is between a man and a woman. That's one thing. They're humans. They can have a belief. But right. as— and it's not just the owners. They have used money from the corporation. Right. Chick-fil-A as a corporation has funded anti-LGBTQ conversion therapy things. Right. So that is, that is the – now, that's a fact. That's not – this is not being a subjective, like me saying that's good or bad. That's – well, I'm, I'm saying that's bad. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but go ahead and do but that. Yeah, that's but bad. that's the reality of it. And so that's why, that, why Chick-fil-A is such an issue. It's not because an owner who has personal beliefs has said something. It's right. because the – the corporation itself has used corporate funds for so the money that you've given for a chicken sandwich has been used to 
do anti-LGBT stuff. Right. That's that's the the why Chick Fil A is, and the same thing with Hobby Lobby. Yeah. And other things they have used corporate money to to live out personal religious yeah. beliefs. And then, again, this is this is said in a, a spirit of conflict. Like I'm not 100 yeah, percent behind Chick Fil A. Long before any of that came to light, I'm sure the corporation was doing it long before yeah. I was aware of it. Yeah. But I know the owners of the Chick-fil-A down the street. They uh, are really great people. We've yeah. had long conversations. Oh, they yeah. know me by name, which speaks more to my dietary functions yeah. I've than I've never been else. in a Chick-fil-A restaurant and felt anything but loved and cared for. Right. And it's one of the best experiences you can have in a... Now, as a cis, as a white cis male, like that's, yeah, right. that's a, that's a right. easy thing for me to experience. And, and, and when it all came to light, they were kind enough to... Even though they themselves are of a more conservative background... They knew I was not and specifically sought me out to say, what do you think about all this? Yeah. That's a conversation that I value. Dialogue. I value it. Uh, And and so is it worth it for me to buy chicken nuggets every now and again to have that conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, because it it leads to understanding. Yeah. That that there's a difference. We need to get to a place of understanding before we can get to a place of uh, agreement. Yeah. That understanding doesn't mean agreement no not always that we, and and understanding means and even acceptance doesn't mean agreement no. that we can accept each other as humans and still vehemently disagree mm-hmm. that's how you can love people who have voted for someone different than you and right. even someone who you think is a terrible toxic person hot take that is possible yes uh that no, is possible. and that's the gospel yeah yeah <laughs> but but it's even not assimilation for me even in my recent uh development as a faith person is i think tied up in that is what voices are you listening to yeah I was listening to a podcast the other day with Jen Hatmaker, mm-hmm. um, and and the thought occurred to me. I was riding my bike and listening to this podcast. So the thought occurred to me: I don't listen to enough female leaders and preachers. Yeah. Be- and and part of why you need that is to have the experience so that you can reform your own thought. Yeah, uh, I have blind spots around women in leadership. Jen I, Hatmaker, who's a great voice in the church, who is a big was a like she is the wife of a who was a large voice in the evangelical conservative church. Mm-hmm. And had a spiritual awakening and has actually become kind of her husband's still a pastor, I think, but she has become the main voice yeah. in that family because of her, her growth and yeah. her, her understanding. And she's, she's still a Southern woman who's evangelical, but is trying to make voice for a progressive, more inclusive language in the, and very much a pastor herself, but not in the ordained sense. She doesn't yeah. pastor a church, but she is a, a huge theological voice in the church yeah. and something that. Uh, comes from an unlikely place in that she was from a very conservative, traditional, big evangelical um, experience yeah. and, and had this understand this reformation of thought, uh, this developing thought and still developing. Yeah. I'm looking up a name real quick. Yeah. Because uh, the other example is, um, yeah. Um, so look up Rachel Held Evans and the, uh, look up, look up Jen Hack- Hatmaker. But then the other voice I really put someone who sadly passed away in the oh past, past six months, yeah. Rachel Held Evans, who grew up, Evangelical. Very evangelical, very Southern Baptist, uh, and really struggle. And over the course of her books, even mm-hmm. like she has four books, which are fantastic. All of them. So her first book is one called Evolving in Monkey Town. It changed to Faith Unraveled. Yeah. So if you get that at Amazon, one, if you buy it, it's a different cover. It's the same book, and they will give you a refund if you let them know that I already have this book. You just tricked me into buying a second one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's about how <laughs> Says she... Says the voice of experience. Yeah, yeah. she grew up in um, in the town where the Scopes Monkey Trial happened, mm-hmm. where the, of evolution. And so it's kind of struggling with that and dealing with that. She has another one. That her second book is called A Year of Biblical Womanhood. It's like trying to live out all of the restrictions that are put on women based on the Old Testament Levitical law. Which I got to say, usually immersion journalism like that, 
drives me crazy. Yeah, gimmicky and stupid. She nailed it. Oh, in yeah, that she's book. great. She really killed it. And then it. her next one is a fantastic book called Searching for Sunday. Yep. And it's about how she left the evangelical church and went, to, instead of moving away from the church, went to an uh, Episcopal church, mm-hmm. Anglican church. I think Anglican church. Yeah. And uh, so a high church, kind of the opposite movement that you would expect for someone leaving the church and longing for this uh, traditional aspect, but a lived out faith. Like yep. the Anglican church has a, has a great, um, in America, has a good reputation of being real high church, like holding on to liturgy and tradition and stuff like that, but then doing things that really make a difference in their community yeah. and living out the gospel on, on Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then her last book, sad, sadly, her last book yeah. uh, is a great book. Um, Inspired. Called Inspired, which is about reading the Bible. And it's so good. Yeah. So I highly recommend all of those books. Maybe even read them backwards. Like start <laughs> with Inspired, go to Searching for Sunday, and then, yeah. then go back to the other ones. So so I found myself wanting to put myself under the leadership of more women. There was a thing recently you might have read about uh, at Relevant Magazine about oh, racial man. sensitivity. Oh, man. Uh, and, and if you've been a fan of... Uh, Relevant. Relevant's been around for about 15 years. Yeah. Um, and it's an unfortunate title for how trendy it is. Like, <laughs> the truth is relevant. Um, yeah. It is. It was not a surprise to me. No. At all. At all. Like having listened to the podcast and read the book is like, oh, this white dude thinks that he is woke, but he actually is terrible with his theology and his, how right. it's expressed. Yeah, I got the impression from that. Uh, the guy leading the charge on that is Andre Henry. Yeah. Um, and he tweeted. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Man. Well, that was, I, I had been reading a lot yeah. of him because I was kind of invested in the relevant world for a while and kind of fell away because they're yeah. not relevant. Um, but They're not wholly unrelevant, but they're less relevant than they think they are. He tweeted yeah. a little while ago. And again, this is coming from me as a personal conviction thing. Andre Henry, who's a person of color. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted a little while ago that, that if you are white and you are not prepared to confront your white supremacy unfollow me because I'm going to here it comes and I realized in that moment that I was only seeing retweets um, from people I follow that get relevant or people that were you know involved in the story I wasn't actually following Andre yeah and I started following him and the quick backstory of that is that Andre uh, had been on staff at relevant for about six months yeah and like three or four years ago And, and was denied not denied but really heavily pushed back on for wanting to do black history month articles and yeah uh, would do one every day on the blog, I think, not yeah. even in there. So on do one every week or every day. And they said, and the response from the editor, editor in chief, a guy named Cameron Strang mm-hmm. was no, <laughs> like no that, one wants to read like that. that. Yeah. No one wants to hear that. Basically right. you're just going to be a bummer. Right. Which for, could be quickly translated. No white person wants to read that. Yeah. Which is who reads well. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. But, and that, so Again, for me, the the the, the realization is in, in an attempt to always be reforming. I am a white cis male. Yeah, there are blind spots to me. For as much as oh, I yeah. value inclusion and and equality and justice for everybody, I am so very well aware that there are things I say, do, behave, believe. Yeah, that are offensive to people of color or LGBTQ. And or, even if not over, I mean, it's like the going to Chick Fil A. Even if yeah. it's not explicitly offensive, right? It is subtly uh sub, subtly uh, it could be and, and uh, again not to throw chick-fil-a on the bus again but it could subtly be sustaining a narrative that is oppressive right 
uh, I had a great example of this. Uh, this so October is apparently Pastor Appreciation Month. <laughs> I didn't know that. My uh, church hasn't gotten the memo. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. mine hasn't either. <laughs> uh, I part of me is like I I don't want to ask people to do that, but I like being appreciated. <laughs> um, I'll take yeah. a five dollars Starbucks gift card. If yeah. You want. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But so uh, there was a uh, some people were posting on. And I only found out because it was on Twitter. I always forget. Like I know that there's a month sometime, but I don't know what it is. Um, it feels wrong that we get a whole month too. At most, yeah, we does. should get a Sunday. Yeah, give us a Sunday give us off. One. Yeah. Um, and uh, but so I had retweeted this this someone a guy had who I don't follow. Oh, I someone, did see this. Yeah. Someone had retweeted this. Someone I follow retweeted it, and so I retweeted it. And it was basically it was like the first part of the tweet was great, mm-hmm. and I didn't do a good job of reading the tweet. And so uh, it was a guy who has a uh, delightful mustache, a curly key mustache. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, straight out of the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, and it said, but a very hipster thing. I was like, yeah, yeah I like this guy's picture, and I like his sentiment. Always saying, it's basically saying like being a pastor is really hard, and gave some statistics like this many people drop out of being uh, out of the pastorhood in in uh, the first five years or something like that, and then just said, pray for your pastor, pray for him to lead well, pray for him to da 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 da, pray for him to blah blah blah. Yeah, and I was like, retweet, and then two of my uh, awesome colleagues yeah. who are pastors uh female pastors in the church they are pastors in the church who are female mm-hmm. one of them just wrote back him and at first i thought what's wrong with this guy and then i like researched the guy who i tweeted oh and i right, thought she was right, saying right. like what's wrong with this guy and then another pastor uh who i know also uh, f- followed up on it and just said or her and then i realized oh crap it only yeah. i did not see that and then I and I thought about unretweeting the tweet, the the retweet. Uh, but then I thought, no, I need for me personally, I need to acknowledge the fact that I made this mistake. Yeah, I didn't even see it, and that's the problem. Like, yeah. not only is it the problem that that he wrote it very gender exclusive, that that it was assumed your pastor is a man. Right. I did not notice that pronoun. Right. And because I was, I mean, in a very clear defense, uh, wishy washy defense of myself, I was really only looking at the first part and retweeted really quickly. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't, it didn't pop out of my eyes that, that that was the thing. And that's part of reformation is you have to notice. Yeah. You have to recognize that there's something that isn't working as well as it could be. Yeah. And also noticing in this case, I am a he. Yeah. So when, when you're praying for me as your pastor, you're praying for a he. Right. And so I didn't notice that the world is not always about me. Right. Like that's a big part <laughs> of reformation is yeah. being able to be empathetic yep. to people who are not like you. Yeah. And that was a huge thing. So when Cameron Strang says no one wants to hear that, what he means is Cameron Strang doesn't want to hear that. Right. And sure, Cameron Strang probably doesn't want to hear it, but right. he probably but needs, it needs to, hear to be heard. It. And yeah. not everybody is Cameron Strang, uh, the editor of of, Ham, of of Relevant. Yeah. And not everybody is Tyler Dofsky. Right. And so not every pastor is a he. And I need to know that before I have to have people point it out to me. Yeah. And I'm so thankful to to Susan Rothberg and uh uh, Steph Martin for yeah. for pointing both pastors, great pastors in our presbytery, colleagues yeah. who I really love and appreciate and work with regularly, uh, that they know me and care about me enough to point it out. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Instead of browbeating, yeah, and and how could you be so ignorant? And then I thought their response was pretty. Oh, it was pretty great. generous. It was uh, great. To say, Very generous. Yeah. yeah, to say like, and just enough oh. to be like. Come on, man! Yeah. It like, still yes. calls you out. It's oh, not like straight up. Yeah, it, it wasn't gloves. mean to me, right? But it and it, yeah, it wasn't like a kind like private message of like did you notice this it yeah, was right. like really dude like yeah and i that's exactly the what i needed yep. and then this other guy boy <laughs> some, <laughs> some other troll jumped on there and i was not too gracious with him <laughs> i was i was one of my lower twitter moments where i just like he's like no this is right this is the right interpret like he comes back he's like it should be he 
And my response was, you're an idiot. <laughs> this is stop trolling Who here. Who invited you to this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was not gracious, but mm-hmm. I did, haven't taken that down either. Yeah. It's because right. I'm fine being it. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, part of, to bring us all back on, one, happy Halloween coming up. Yeah. And two, happy Reformation Day. Yeah. And let's live our lives as, as reformers. Like, let's yeah. let's recognize, even as Catholics, Catholics have also reformed. Big time. And continue oh to reform. Oh, my gosh. Pope yeah. Francis right now? Oh, Ooh. my goodness. What a wonderful guy. Now, yeah. they have a lot of stuff to do. Oh, like, no kidding. But so do we. Yeah. Like, th- should there be female priests? 100%. Mm. Should priests be allowed to marry? 100%. Yeah. Should the Catholic Church be hiding all these scandals? No. Yep, right. The, the full on. Right. No full period. stop. Yeah. yeah. But is the is the Presbyterian Church hiding some stuff? Absolutely. Totally. Are we should we do we need to fix ourselves? Are we better than the Catholics? No, we're not better than yeah. the Catholics. And yes, we have way a ton of stuff that we need to fix. Yeah. Like we need to be not Protestants and and it's we are in a culture of protest. Yeah. Especially where we are politically right now. That it is more expedient to be against something than to try to help those who have made mistakes to see that they've made mistakes. And incidentally, on that note, again, we're way over time, but on that note, claiming your denomination, political party, picket, is better than the other is not Reformation. No, that's Protestant, and that's not helpful. Right. To say, you know, well, we might have our problems, but have you seen blah, 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 blah. No. We might have our problems is what you should address. Don't yeah. look at the other people. Yeah. Don't look at the other issues out yeah. there. If you can recognize, I have a blind spot around being a white male. Yeah. I have a blind spot about LGBTQ. I have yeah. a blind spot about, address your blind spot. Don't worry about other people's yet. Deal with yours. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't, and not to belabor the point, but I think a great example of this, because there is a point, as we kind of said at one point, that there, yes, we need to fix ourselves. We need to reform. Mm-hmm. But there is a point in which people are hurting. Yeah. And so there are movements where we need to actually do step in and say, no, this is wrong. Right. And a great example of kind of both of that is a thing that we don't even talk about anymore, but a thing called Black Lives Matter. Yeah. One, that is the right way to do it in that it doesn't say white lives have too much power. It says Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And the insinuation is like, of course, white lives matter. We all agree that. But also Black Lives Matter. So it's really Black Lives Matter, too. Um and those that would take issue with that bring their own garbage to it to say like, what do you mean? What, don't white lives matter? Of course they do. Everyone yeah. agrees with that. Right. And but that's the, the reason that's for the, the movement problem. is that there has been so long yeah. that the assumption has been yeah. wrongly. I when want to try bunch, to be careful how I'm saying yeah. this, but the assumption has been that black lives don't matter. Yeah. When a white man is killed, when a, when, when five white people are killed, yeah. it is a huge story. When four black people are killed, it is just the, that's the way the world goes, yeah, man. That's not even going to make the yeah, police blotter. Oh, well, that's just those neighborhoods. They're probably like, there are so many cultural, there's a, such a long rabbit trail of cultural systematic racism that goes into us not caring about people in Chicago being killed by gun violence and, and us dramatically caring about people in Newtown, Massachusetts being car- killed by gun violence that, or Las Vegas, Nevada, yeah. like that, uh, that there's too much to unpack right now, but Black Lives Matter is a great example of people saying, "No, we have to do something about this. Yep. We have to stop because people are dying." Yep. And yet, still recognizing that we, as a culture, have need a problem. To, we yeah. have a problem, and we need to recognize the positive of this. Yeah. Black lives matter. Yeah. Not white people are a problem. <laughs> yes, right. that's the truth. Right. Because we have the power. People in power have a problem. But it's when you 
if you and now it's a challenge to the system so we don't like it so we try to figure out a way like black lives matter is racist yeah no it's not no no, no, no it's no, not no, no. it's acknowledging that as a culture in america we value black lives less than we value white lives yeah that is true it is a lived out reality uh now we need to change it the only way we can change it is by first acknowledging it mm-hmm. and then recognizing this hurts people it may not hurt me yeah as a white man living in the suburbs the way it hurts a black male living in the in in a violent neighborhood but i need to care about it as mm-hmm. much as the people who live in that neighborhood and until i do i am not being christian because i'm not caring about my neighbor and i'm not being human yeah and i'm participating actively yeah in a racist system that values certain lives over other lives. Yeah. And when I retweet a guy who says, pray for your pastor, he really needs it. I am also participating in a system that says these people are allowed to be pastors and these people aren't. Well, this has been Roughing the Pastor, the only podcast where you can go from Martin Luther. Well, go from ghosts. Yeah. From from ghost stories. To Black Lives Matter. To Black Lives Matter. We've done it. We did connect those dots. Uh, So you're welcome. Well, I mean, I don't know if we connected, but we just (laughs) lily pad jumps from a bunch of different things. This is like a mixtape, this one. We got there. Yeah. And happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, (laughs) The scariest. We ended with the scariest one with systematic (laughs) racism. Yeah. Uh, To you and yours. Uh, A question for the social media machine. Yes. I am legitimately curious, and be careful with this. There's some uh, potential open wounds that could come oh, from this. Yes, yes. But where have you seen your biggest theological reformation personally? Oh, um, yeah, I love that one. Where, where have you? So, like, I, we confess that you know, in our earlier days, we had an issue with LGBTQ inclusion, yeah, and have evolved to the place of full inclusion. Do you have examples in your life where it, it may have even sorry, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, it may have even been something as simple as like we had no issue. Right. With LGBT exclusion. I think that that's where, and that's not to qualify it, but that is to better explain, I think, where a lot of this seditious stuff happens. Yeah. In the same way that, like, no one realized that Black Lives Matter needed to be said until it became clear, like, oh, black people get killed a lot yeah. more by police than white people do. Yeah. Uh, or at least in disproportionate, I you know people are going to come back with statistics. Shut up. You yeah. know what you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, that that until you realize some of the biases that you just thought everybody had that were normative, right? You can't change. Yeah. And so it wasn't that we actively were anti-LGBT folks. It's just no. that we were uh, yeah, passively accepting of a normative culture which says that is wrong. Yeah. Normal people are not like that. I wasn't, uh, you know, Westboro Baptist holding signs yeah. and, and yeah. but we I all wasn't, thought that that was terrible. Right, but I wasn't doing anything to make it better. Yeah. So anyway, what is your biggest theological reformation within you as a person? Uh, Twitter, rough the pastor. If and you, it may be going on right now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and and uh, if you could somehow visualize this, uh, roughing the pastor on Instagram. Yeah, and I have so. Uh, this is a, a personal point, personal privilege. Yeah, I want to let you know. Next week lordy, is my birthday. Lordy, 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 lordy. Tyler's turning forty, Woo. and as a result of this, we're going to talk about it next week. So that's a preview. We actually are telling you. Yeah. We're going to talk about coming. aging and dying. <laughs> we actually have a plan now. It's we new. We do. It's yeah. crazy. And uh, so I wanted to match up with this. So my I turned uh, 40 on November the 5th. Hey. Remember, remember the 5th of November. It's mm-hmm. Guy Fox Day. So while you're watching V for Vendetta, know that Tyler's turning. And it's also election day. So it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tyler's turning 40. And Tyler does a thing every year for the last like six years where I create a playlist uh, on Spotify. Oh yeah. And I invite my friends to give me the birthday gift of this. Yep. Please give me one or many songs 
They don't have to be brand new songs. Uh-huh. They don't have to be songs that you don't think I've ever heard before, but songs that you think are good songs and you want me to, to like. I will then put all these songs into a playlist on Spotify. I'll make it public. And this will be one of the main soundtracks that I have for that year. I'm just going to title it 40. Yeah. And so, and I try to write down who gives me what song. And I try not to have doubles. If you give me a double, I can tell you. I already have that song. Give me a different one. Yeah. And then I write down who gave me that song. I keep it in a thing by my car so that that song becomes you. And so if you give me a song, like say Jason Fryer gives me the song 40 by U2, which I know he's going to. No, no. I have a th- oh, I have, I have well, the, I've actually given this thought. I have a couple of songs to throw into the mix. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. And, and, and again, a theme. There, please give me multiple songs. Yeah. Uh, and um, if it's terrible, I'll listen to it. Three, if it's it's if it's really really country, I'm gonna listen to it once or twice, and then I'm gonna take <laughs> it out of the playlist because it's gonna drive me crazy. I'm just letting you know that. But yeah. I will I will honor you, you and then I will keep it in there veto for power. for two weeks, and then I will delete it because I do not want to hear a Hanks Williams Jr. song ruining my playlist. <laughs> Even though I love you. So if you give me a country song, give me something else too so that you're still represented. Yeah. Uh, but Or give me a bluegrassy country song. Like that's, a, yeah. that's pre-1960. Um, the, the, but the, the whole sense is that I then connect that song to you. And I like it because it makes me think of my friends throughout the whole year. It's actually really, and I highly recommend steal this idea. Yeah. I don't know where I came with it. I'm sure I stole it from somebody else, but I've forgotten. And it's just something that works really well for me. So that's coming up next week. We'll talk about getting old. Yeah. And, uh, and what that means and please start thinking about the songs you want to give me because we'll be asking for that for the next couple weeks ah yes so happy Halloween and happy, Reformation happy Sunday. Reformation Sunday or Reformation Day, Day. yeah because yeah. it's a uh, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, and happy everything thanks for sticking with us for this Halloween business mm. and uh, next time we talk to you I'll be 40 and then pretty soon after that Disney Plus will have come out and we'll be oh we have so much to discuss I'll be watching Gravity Falls again because they took it off of Hulu but it's gonna be on Disney Plus and The Mandalorian only one episode a week though yeah I can that's okay okay slow trips uh, boy it's taken for I think we've run out of music at this point but I've been Tyler I've been Jay and this has been Robbing Robbing the the Pastor thank you everybody including Jay for sticking around longer for this one I know we went past Jay's time yeah mostly because I was just I couldn't stop talking that's okay it's a good one yeah